0: Welcome to Let's Talk About CX, a show that will help you improve your customer experience and provide you ideas
1: on how to amaze and delight your customers. We feature experts and authors from around the world who share their view and give you tips and tricks for great CX. And now, here's your host, Sultan Samlali. Hi, and welcome to Let's Talk About CX. My name is Sultan Simnalli, and I have a real passion for customer experience. Where it started, I don't know. It might be because I grew up in Brussels in Belgium, where my parents had a shop. Um, I helped them on almost daily basis, and I saw firsthand how providing great experience leads to more business and more loyalty. Uh, customer experience can be small things like bringing grocery to an older lady, or making sure that you always have the products that your customer needs when they need it Um, and to discuss about what customer experience is and what it could be I'm welcoming today Dan Gingis. Dan Gingis is the experience maker he's an international keynote speaker and customer experience coach who believes that a remarkable customer experience is your best marketing strategy. He has a 20-year uh, professional career spawned multiple disciplines, including customer experience, marketing, social media, and customer service. He has held leadership position at my favorite restaurant, McDonald's, uh, Discover, and Humana. Uh, He's the author of two great books. Um, The first one is Winning at Social Customer Care, how top brands create engaging experience on social media. And his latest book is The Experience Maker, how to create remarkable experiences that your customers can't wait to share. He's also host of The Experience This Show and The Experience Maker Show. Um, He has many accomplishments, as you have heard, but I think one of the most interesting one is that he once delivered a pizza to uh, Michael Jordan. So welcome to the show and congratulations on the pizza, Dan.
0: Well, thank you so much for having me. Uh, It's an honor to be here. And, you know, wherever I travel in the world, when I tell people I'm from Chicago, usually the first two words out of their mouth are Michael and Jordan. And so I love to tell that story. I was in high school and uh, I got to deliver a pizza to his airness himself. Uh, he orders pepperoni and sausage for those that are interested. And the other drivers told me ahead of time that I could do one of two things. I could either ask him for an autograph, in which case he would oblige, but he wouldn't give me a tip, or I could not ask for an autograph, in which case he was a very generous tipper. Now, I already knew what I was going to do, but The thing that really pushed me over is when he answered the door. Now he's incredibly tall, uh, but he was looking over my head, not just because of his height, I could tell that he was looking to make sure that nobody had followed me, that there weren't any cameramen back there or anybody else uh, that he didn't want. And I realized that he, like anybody, deserved privacy, especially when he was ordering a pizza. So I immediately made that decision that there was no way I was asking him for an autograph. I was just gonna treat him like any other customer. And sure enough, he did tip very generously. And all these years later, I still get a great story out of it. <laughs> It. so i don't care the autograph but i think it was one of my first customer service experience stories where i had to know my customer well enough to deliver the right experience <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is pretty impressive so i will not ask you for the amount of the tip so we're, we'll we'll leave it where it is um <laughs> so you you wrote uh winning at social customer care Uh, And now you wrote a new book, uh, The Experience Makers. What drove you to write this book and what are you trying to convey?
0: So The Experience Maker is really a collection of stories that I have put together into a simple framework for companies that want to identify and then execute on creating great Customer experiences. And I'm a believer that customer experience does not have to be a multi year, multi million dollar transformational project. It can just be a series of little things. Now, it's a long series of little things. And to be fair, customer experience is never really finished because as soon as you think you get there, your customer's expectations are going to change. But I decided to take my entire library of great customer experience stories and put them together into this framework so that other people could learn how to do it. And the best part is, is that because I was in corporate America for so long, as you mentioned, I know how hard it is to get things done at a business. I know how hard it is to find the budget, to get your management approval, to get legals approval, et cetera. And so all the examples that I share had to go through three filters. They are simple, practical, and inexpensive. So you're not going to find million-dollar costing ideas in this book. I want you to find ideas that cost almost nothing uh, so that you can go execute them. You don't need permission. You can do something similar at your company. And so if I can inspire readers to change how they think at their own company, then I feel like I've, I've done my job.
1: Okay. And this is why you are making your readers wiser.
0: Exactly. So wiser is the name of the methodology and it starts with being wise to customer experience and wise stands for witty, immersive, shareable and extraordinary. And those are four components of the of experiences that people want to talk about that they want to share with others. You see, we know that people share both really positive experiences and really negative experiences. Nobody shares anything in the middle. Nobody's ever said, let me tell you about the perfectly average restaurant I went to last night. So they're either going to share positive or negative. We might as well give them something positive to share. And so Mm -hmm. Wise helps you do that. Then when people start talking about you, which they will, if you're creating great positive experiences, you want to be wiser than the competition. And that involves the R, which is being responsive, because and this sort of plays a little bit off of the first book about winning at social customer care is if we've got people out there, especially in social media, talking about us we want to be part of that conversation. We want to show people and show the rest of the world that we've got human beings that work at our company, that we're not just a a tall building. You know, we have humans that care about our customers. And so being part of that uh, conversation and responding to customers is absolutely critical. So you get through that and now you are wiser than your competition.
1: Okay. Well, it's, wisdom also comes with action I imagine so it's good to know and it's better to practice Um, exactly yeah so you have a tagline that is really interesting that you call do simple better I think comes back to the action but what do you mean by that
0: so I actually borrowed this from uh, an unlikely source Uh, the manager of the Chicago Cubs baseball team uh, in in 2016 finally won the world series and i've been a fan my whole life but it was 108 years the longest i think I think it was the longest losing streak in any professional sport, certainly in the United States, but I think it was um, it was bordering on a, a world record. They finally won the World Series, and their manager, uh, Joe Madden had this saying, do simple better. Now, he meant it in a sports way, which was to say, essentially, try your hardest, always run out the play, uh, make sure that the simple things are always done flawlessly, and that way when the – complex things come up, we can afford to to miss every once in a while. And I really took that to reapply it to business and to say that we know that customers want simplicity. It's one of the single most important tenets of a great customer experience. Who wants to have a hassle? Who wants barriers put in front of them? Who wants things to be difficult? No one. We all want things to be simple. And so when you think about simplicity and you think about doing simple better, or even doing better by being simple, it gets your mind in the right place for how do we create the kinds of experiences that satisfy our customers instead of frustrate them.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, so it's really about yeah. You you see sporters like uh, basketball players that just throw the ball at the same time every time over and over again from the same position just do every single simple movement better and do it that in organization.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, 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 it's like, it's why yeah. they practice the free throw so many times, right? That's yeah. the part of the game where you have to, you gotta, you have to get it right. You, if you're yeah. not getting that, then it makes the rest of the game harder. Um, yeah. and, and then when, you know, when you take the, the, the tough shots, you're not going to hit everyone. And that's understandable. Yeah. When you take the easy shots, you got to hit them more often than not. Yeah
1: yeah that's a very interesting one and i think thing to think about um in the future we 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 talked a lot about uh customers when you're talking about customers are you thinking about new customers are you talking about existing customers as and as an organization should i focus on one group or the other
0: Well, so most companies do focus only on one group. They focus on new customers and acquiring new customers. And the amount of money that is spent on sales and marketing compared to the amount of money that is spent on customer service and customer experience, it's not even close. And I do think that that's off balance. And so I make the argument in the book that by focusing on your existing customers, you're actually spending money on the people that are paying your salary, that are keeping the lights on, that are keeping the business alive. The one thing that a business must have to survive is customers. If there's no customers, there's no business. But we spend so much time simply trying to acquire new customers that we don't spend enough time with our existing customers, which means we don't know, uh, for example, the things that we're doing that make them happy or the things that we're doing that annoy them. We also often suffer from what I call in the book, the leaky bucket. And that that happens when customers are leaving our business and they're not telling us why. And those are the mm-hmm. most dangerous customers of all. If somebody's gonna leave my business, I would rather they leave with a whole bunch of negative feedback. So at least I know what I did wrong and maybe I can fix it for the next guy. But with the mm-hmm. leaky bucket, it's like a drip, drip, drip. You're losing a couple customers every single day. And where are they going? They're going to your competitor. So it's a double loss. You've lost a customer. Your competitor has gained a customer. And you don't know why because they haven't said anything. And this is a result of not paying any attention to your existing customers. We take them for granted. We assume that they're going to be with us forever. We assume that they're happy, even if we don't have any knowledge that they are. So really, the book says, stop spending so much time trying to acquire new customers. Because if you make your existing customers happy, they're going to stay longer They're going to spend more. And perhaps most importantly, they're going to refer their friends and colleagues, which is going to result in new customers.
1: Yeah. But I imagine that not all existing customers are as valuable. So you might have some existing customers that are expensive, that are more of a cost than a benefit for your organization.
0: For sure. And I think it's fine if you want, when you're focusing on existing customers, if you want to focus on certain segments or certain more profitable segments, I think that's absolutely fine. It's the Mm -hmm. fact that most companies basically ignore their existing customers. They're spending so much money on marketing and sales. We've all seen advertisements where uh, companies offer a great deal, but only for new customers. Their existing customers don't get the the great deal. Well, how do you think that makes an existing customer Customer feel, And how do you think they're going to react when your competitor offers something special just for new customers? It's completely yes. backwards, right? And we don't think through the process of, oh, well, if we're doing this over here, and our competitors doing this, then our competitors can end up pulling our customer away because they're offering a better deal there's a telecom telecommunications company in the U S that just started a marketing campaign that specifically talks about how they give everyone the same offer, new customers and existing customers all get the same deal. I think that's brilliant.
1: Yeah. Is that T-Mobile or
0: it is, it is T-Mobile. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 They're very interesting brands. Um, Yeah. They they are very interesting in in how they approach and they are disrupting the entire market. So it's, it's, Great. Well, they call themselves
0: what? the uncarrier. You know, the uncarrier, yeah. They're, un-carrier,
1: a, yeah. they're yeah.
0: intentionally different. And I think that's great. You know, um, one of the things I like to tell groups of people when I do speeches or workshops is if you're looking for inspiration, do not look at your competitors. If you're a bank, and all you're doing is looking at other banks, you are not going to find a whole lot of inspiration. You need to be looking at a T-Mobile or a Walt Disney or a Starbucks or brands or the Lego store, brands that people love, and understand why they love them. And that's what I really like about the examples in the book is that you they cross industries. So if you're in banking, for example, you'll find one or two banking examples in my book, but you're not gonna find a hundred. And the, what I want you to do is read the other examples outside of your industry and take them back to your industry. So here's an example. And this is actually not in the book, I wish it was, but I, I heard this example after I published the book. So at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, they have a very popular attraction called Harry Potter World. And what has started to happen in Harry Potter World is that more and more people are standing in line at the rides for 45 minutes to an hour and yet they have no intention of actually riding the ride. And the reason is because Universal has made standing in line the experience. It is so much fun to wander your way through Hogwarts castle and to see all the characters come alive and to see the animated picture frames on the wall just like in the movies, that people are actually getting to the front of the line and then not riding the ride. Now, okay, if you're a bank or if you're a restaurant or if you're a retailer, you don't have a situation like this, or do you? Because most companies make customers wait at some point. Now, what if we could make the waiting part? really fun, really interesting, entertaining, something people look forward to. Can you imagine if you wanted to wait on hold in customer service or if you wanted to wait to check out, you know, your clothing purchase at a retailer, we can take the things that work for other industries and apply them to our business in a similar way, uh, even though we're in a totally different business.
1: Yeah, it's good to think like this. Um, I've been engaging a lot with customers that. Or mainly looking at their competitors and try to be better. Well, yeah, it, it, it's the wrong lens. And I think it also brings probably to, to the question of loyalty. Um, when you think about loyalty, how, how would you define loyalty and how do you create for your customers? Is it by giving them points and money or are you doing that via experience or other means?
0: So I think that, traditional loyalty programs for points or miles or or dollars or what have you, I think they can coexist with customer experience for sure. Uh, I mean, most credit card companies do that. A lot of restaurants are doing that. And, And look, people like loyalty programs. But the real reason that someone's going to be loyal to you is that they enjoy doing business with you and that you treat them well, that you don't treat them just like an account number, that they feel valued. As a former boss of mine used to say, loyalty goes both ways. It's a two-way street. I'm loyal to you. I expect you to be loyal back to me. So companies expect customers to be loyal to them, but how are they showing the loyalty back? And I believe the best way to show loyalty is to provide a great experience for people. If you do that, what happens then is people aren't shopping around for price. They become price insensitive because they like the experience so much. It's okay if they're going to pay a little bit more. They don't mind. And there's a great example Uh, You know, one of the uh, one of the unfortunate um, uh, losses that we all had over the past few years in terms of a big brand was Toys R Us and Toys R Us was this brand that, you know, was around for so many years and then poof, it's gone. Now, I can tell you that the Toys R Us right before they went out of business and the Toys R Us when I was an eight year old child were the same Toys R Us. They were products on shelves. There was no difference. The store never evolved. Now, there's a small mom and pop toy store in downtown Chicago that specializes in board games. And they do two things that I think are fantastic. The first is when you walk in, the person behind the counter is like Amazon's recommendation engine in human form. She says, oh, you like to play Settlers of Catan? You're going to love this game and this game and this game. Let me show you this game. And you feel... Like you're part of something, you feel engaged. The second thing is in the back they have a game library that allows you to check out a game and play it before you buy it. Now these board games today, unlike Monopoly and Clue of the past, board games can be 50, 60, 70, $80. So people wanna know that they're gonna like the game before they make that kind of investment. It's not really a returnable product once you've opened it. And so they allow people to play the games. They have tables set up. They even have singles nights where they invite singles to come and play board games. It is brilliant because it's creating an experience that Amazon cannot create. Now, Amazon, mm-hmm. I'm a huge Amazon fan. I talk about Amazon all day long. And I think that when people say that Amazon killed local businesses, I don't think that's fair because local businesses like this game store have figured out what Toys R Us couldn't figure out, which is yeah. you have to provide an experience to people. And then guess what? Even though those board games are a little bit more expensive than Amazon, no one cares because you've delivered such a great experience. They're willing to pay a couple extra dollars, especially to support a local business. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's an amazing experience, and um, if I look at those game stores, I have a couple here in where I live in Utrecht, and also have something similar. You just go there because they give you that experience. That's brilliant. Uh, can you give me one second, then? Uh, my son is calling. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that, then. My it's summer. We have summertime, and my son cannot sleep, so. He's a, he was screaming like 10 times.
0: <laughs> oh, that's too bad. I didn't hear him. So it's not on your, it's not on your uh, recording.
1: No, so that's good. Um, yeah. No, I, I, I think this shop experience is amazing because it shows uh, actually how you can differentiate and not do what um, others are doing. And Toys R Us did not evolve here. It's the same in the Netherlands. Um, yeah. A question to you, which CX concept is mostly misunderstood by people when we talk about customer experience?
0: Um, I think customer listening and customer feedback is what is most misunderstood. And part of the reason for that is I often observe we we all observe as consumers right companies are sending us surveys all the time they're collecting data all the time the question is are they doing anything with that data and my experience in corporate america is that most of what they're doing is consolidating all that data into a report and then the report is the output now there's a couple of problems with that. The first is, is that executives don't have time for another report. They've already got 17 reports on their on their desk or in their email. And so you sending another report is not going to do anything. And I remember receiving said reports. And I remember getting a daily report at Discover of uh, that had a verbatim feedback from the website. And we would get two, three hundred comments on the website every day. And what would happen is on Monday, I would get too busy. And so I wouldn't read the report. And then Tuesday. Now I have two reports I have to read. And now I'm like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do this. By the time I get to Friday, I basically throw away Monday and Thursday's reports and I'm only reading Friday, right? The point is the report isn't the answer. That doesn't do anything. We have to take the data and make it into something actionable. What does it mean? And so the steps that often get missed are the analysis of the data, not just the reporting of it, and then the action items that result from the analysis. When we do that, we can start making change. Great example that happened at Discover is I took all of this data and I'm like, how do I consume this in a way that I can take action on it? So when people submitted their verbatim feedback on the pages, we asked them a simple question. How easy was it to do business with us today? And I think it was a one to 10 scale. After about six weeks, we had enough data to look at this. And I said, all right, show me the page where people gave us the worst ranking on this question. In other words, it was very difficult to do business with us today. Well, the worst page turned out to be a really critical page for Discover. It was the refer a friend page. It was, you know, you tell us your friend's name and email and and if they become a card member, we'll give you each $50. Well, if this was the hardest page to use, uh uh-oh, what's the problem? Well, when I was able to filter the verbatims, not by day, or time, but simply by page, it became very clear that on one browser, the submit button was not showing up. So people were putting in their friends' names and emails and then they couldn't do anything. And obviously that was frustrating. Good news is that was a simple code change. And the very next day, once it's fixed, that question of how easy was it to do business went right back to normal. So I said, what if we do this for the next 100 pages. Like, all right, we fixed the the worst page, now let's do the next 99. And we did. And what turned out was almost all of them were little tiny barriers, little tiny annoyances They weren't anything big, but they were aggravating customers. And it is not a coincidence that that was the year for the first time ever, that Discover won the J.D. Power Award for customer satisfaction, beating out American Express, another amazing brand that had won the award seven years in a row. And and that wasn't coincidental. And all we did was focus on ways that we were standing in the way of the customer And how could Mm -hmm. we just step aside and let the customer do what they came to do? And so that's taking data, analyzing it, and turning it into action.
1: Yeah. So what you did was do simple better. And just like the Cubs, you won the world title. (laughs)
0: That's right.
1: Uh, That's a great example. There there is an example in uh, Royal Bank of Scotland has also a similar thing where they ask their um, front center agents, so in branch or on the phone, um, to set up A-B tests on the web pages and to help optimize the website. Because they knew that those people, they were speaking to customers they were frustrated by a specific page or something special. And they all had to the heart to, I need to improve customer experience for those people. And all their feedback was they provided allowed them to really optimize the experience and also increase their NPS. So um, it's really amazing when you just, yeah, do simple better. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Um, how can people best engage with you, Dan?
0: Sure. Uh, well, I am at dangingis.com and it's, my last name is G I N G I S S. So my email is dan at dangingis.com. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is dgingis. Uh, So feel free to reach out to any of those. And because I teach the Wiser methodology and R is about being responsive, I promise if you reach out, I will be responsive and respond back to you. Uh, I love uh, love chatting with people and uh, helping to solve complex customer experience problems.
1: Fantastic. So thanks so much, Dan, for being with us today. I wish you a fantastic day in uh, Chicago. Enjoy the nice weather that is on its way for you. And um, I'll look speaking to you very soon.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. So Dan is the author of the experience makers i really recommend the book um all the links will be in the show notes of today's episode i wish you all a fantastic day bye-bye